Welcome to episode 149 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church for Christ Church. And for all who would listen in, we're so glad to be with you again today. And uh, good to be here with uh, my co host, Dr. Gabriel Williams. Gabe, good to see you. Good seeing you. And uh, also, again, we're here for part two of this episode with Reverend Sebastian Heck from Heidelberg, Germany. Uh, Sebastian, good to see you. Glad to be here. And uh, we began in the last episode learning about uh, Sebastian's uh, personal life, his testimony of how he came to saving faith in Jesus Christ and uh, how the Lord called him to ministry and, uh, and how uh, he began to train for that and, and uh, pursue ordination and then get ordained to ministry. And we kind of stopped at the point of him uh, going back and establishing uh, a church planting work in in Heidelberg. Uh, Sebastian grew up in Baden-Baden, Germany, so he wasn't planting in his hometown, though he wasn't too far from it. Uh, so this is a, a new city, a new place. Uh, for, for those who do not know, uh, Heidelberg uh, is kind of like the Cambridge, Massachusetts of uh, Germany. Uh, Univers- University of Heidelberg is like the Harvard of, uh, of Germany. Uh, it's where the brightest uh, students come, uh, it's a city with a lot of industry, a lot of beauty right there on the Neckar River and the Heidelberg Castle. It's, a, it's an extraordinary place, uh, a culture center, and uh, Sebastian wanted to take uh, the gospel to this important city, which also has important ecclesiastical roots and confessional roots as well, which we'll uh, talk about here in a few minutes. But Sebastian, as we get started, a lot of our listeners, we will not know, a lot of our listeners will not know about... Um, Kind of the historical background uh, in Germany. Uh, we tend as Americans to talk a lot about um, Luther at the Council of Worms, the Diet of Worms uh, in 1521, uh, around October. You know, we, we talk about these things, we read our Reformation books, but uh, really don't know a whole lot uh, about the church in Germany other than that. And in broad strokes, uh, help us to understand what happened in Germany. Um, as it concerns the Protestant Reformation and projecting out into the latter centuries, you know. So we're, we know a lot about the 16th century, but after that, we're pretty clueless. And then where are we today? Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be difficult, uh, of course, and lacking in many ways to condense three, four, five hundred years of history in, in, a, in a few minutes. But essentially, we did have the the wonderful and, and much needed Reformation in Germany that gave us many things we're still thankful for. Um, and on the heels of the Reformation, you had a you had ba- basically two developments. You had a development of orthodoxy, Reformed and Lutheran, and um, while in in broader cultural and academic circles there was also a a, a blossoming of uh, rationalism a rationalist mindset um, that did influence as it is many times um, also the uh, theological world and so that led to the other um, the other a development which is pietism pietism basically started as a counter was intended to be a countermeasure 
to the more rationalist, or that's how people thought, rationalistic, um, orthodoxy, Lutheran or Reformed, that um, was perceived to be lifeless, just an academic experience, just infighting about theological orthodoxy, but no spiritual life. Along came the pietists who didn't really care that much about the confessional differences anymore, but it was only about spiritual life. Yeah, so this is a classic moving away from theological orthodoxy to experience. Yes. Experience mm -hmm. is the focus rather than truth. Yes. Uh, written down in scripture and in our confessions. Yeah. And you can see why they would want to do that. That's the pendulum swinging to the other side, right? There's yes. those who are only putting or, or primarily putting their focus on, um, on theological controversy and disagreements and, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, having kind of a lifeless version of Christianity and, and people say, we don't want that. And so they sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Yeah. Pendulum swings all the way to the other side. So we're going to focus on the Christian experience and walking with God and uh, being godly and focusing on uh, those things rather than on on truth and orthodoxy. And yes. this obviously is just as pro problematic as the other. Yes, it is. And they were right. The Pietists were right in many cases. Um, the Lutheran Orthodox or the Lutheran Church and Lutheran Orthodoxy and Reformed Orthodoxy did become lifeless in many ways. And the preaching did become more and more liberal and rationalistic. Uh, but another hallmark of pietism, the pietism that came up, is that it is a sort of an outside the church movement. They were still formally members. Uh, they had, we only had two options. Um, Roman Catholic or Protestant, Lutheran or Reformed, uh, but they would they would still be considered or consider themselves members of the church, but they would gather in uh, uh, pietistic circles. We would call it Bible studies today, home groups, um, and this that's where true Christianity was perceived to to be taking place and happening. So it was a a rejection of formal church life yes with structure and order and and the means of grace and the means of grace yes word preached sacraments prayer and yep. a movement to we're going to be authentic christians Private. in our small groups yes mm -hmm. i'm glad that doesn't happen today <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's yeah. it's a repeat of a lot of evangelicalism that we see isn't it sure yes yeah mm -hmm. what years were these was this happening primarily? 17th, 18th, down to the 19th century. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yep. from that point, <clears throat> we are 19th century, so we have pietism moving on. We didn't have no, the higher liber, uh, higher criticism, liberalism yes. coming up. Absolutely. In which mm -hmm. case, we're now swinging from the experience, say, of the believer. It's now fully internal in heart. Yes. But then it actually shifts almost not just complete away from doctrine, is now towards the social action of the people itself. So that's a 19th to 20th century kind of shift. So how does that, uh, I guess, come into, I guess, how the normal German perceives the meaning of the church at that point? Is it a church that is defined more by their confessions, or is it a church defined more by their social actions at this point? The confessions were really... Um 
almost non-existent mm -hmm. at that point. There were movements, because the church was losing members so quickly and because of other issues, there were always unifying um, uh, movements going on to unite the church, the Reformed and the Lutherans into a, we call it United Church. And that's been around and it, it, it was well-intentioned to at least hold on to something, but it actually led to the confessions just being relegated to to the drawers of, of uh, theologians' uh, studies, basically. Um, yes, so, um, yeah, it just goes to show that um, a, a pietism, a, an experience-driven um, Christianity that may have started out well-intentioned, uh, it can't be sustained. Mm -hmm. Because even the so-called still Bible-believing um, pietists um, became liberal. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So when I think about, you know, for example, the rest of Western Europe, nineteenth uh, to twentieth century, it's not only the liberalism that happened; it's also just the entire world-changing effects of the wars, where you're, you now just have a loss of confidence whatsoever in the actual pursuit of truth, and that being seen at least by Christianity. So, yes. for instance, if this was Britain. By the time you finish the First World War, you have a full demoralization that sets in. And the consequences of it is that what was once just a gradual uh, amount of people leaving the church has now emptied the churches completely. Yes. So I assume something of a much similar or perhaps worse nature went on in Germany in the 20th century. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, you have, you, you add to that the, um, the role uh, the churches played uh, yeah. in in both wars, mm -hmm. and I'm talking both about the Roman Catholic and the Protestant churches, mm -hmm. with the uh, fine exception of what we call the Confessing Church movement, which was a small group of theologians and pastors who resisted, say, um, the Nazi regime, mm -hmm. who spoke up. And that would be uh, Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So now, 20th to 21st century, you're now living under the effects of all that already happening. And so you mentioned the last podcast, by the time you are converted, you are the smallest of the smallest minority of believers in Germany. I think you mentioned it was perhaps a one out of 100 sort of situation. Mm. Now, this is kind of a question of my end. Now that you can kind of look back upon your conversion and then now where you are today, has the um, downgrade gotten worse in the last 20 years or so? Or do you see something more positive on the horizon in terms of just the, fl uh, the flourishing of the faith in Germany? I don't see any signs that it's gotten better. Um, I did talk in the last episode about my own experience in, in a evangelical seminary uh, that was non-confessional and not, not reformed. Um, a few years after I left the seminary, I heard that they had um, lost their moorings when it came to the conservative view of the Bible, mm. that they had started um, in the denomination the seminary belongs to, to ordain women and all kinds of other things. Mm. 
And that, that has happened almost across the board that formerly conservative evangelical churches, again, thinking of themselves as a sort of counterpoint to the liberal state church Christianity, have also become more and more liberal. Um, so that's not a good uh, development uh, in the last few decades. Well, what happens too is people in these churches rightly so and with good intention want to reach the lost but because they don't have strong theological grounding they think that being relevant is important to their witness yes and being relevant of course means that you begin to capitulate to cultural dogma Mm -hmm. cultural norms Um, you may not give in to all of them but you start slowly giving into some of them Yes. And then you wake up one day and you realize your church is just as liberal as the one that you didn't want to be like 20 yeah. years before. Yeah. Um, and this is why it is so important to have churches like yours in Germany that are committed not just to theological orthodoxy, to, to confessional orthodoxy, to biblical truth, but also to uh, that truth applied. Uh, to the yes. Christian life, to piety and godliness, and, mm. and and being faithful witnesses. How can how can we be lights in the world uh, of darkness if we are essentially imitating the the darkness of the world yes. by yeah. by affirming that which God's word mm-hmm. condemns um, yes. because He's holy and and so it just it it reinforces, doesn't it, the importance of the work of church planting in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, and, and so let's, let's talk about that for, for a few minutes. Uh, Sebastian, you, uh, last episode, we talked about you doing your internship in Douglasville, and then uh, our church sends you, as it were, back to your home country, and you begin that work. Uh, take us to those early days of the church plant in Heidelberg. Uh, maybe there are church planters listening. Um, what was your, your plan? Where did you put your confidence? Um, in many ways, I, I, you know, it's amazing that after, what, 15 years or so that the, the church is, is going, it's healthy, it's growing, uh, and so many church plants, I'm sure, have come and gone in that time uh, in, in Heidelberg mm-hmm. by well-intended people, but uh, it's just hard. It's just yes. hard, but t- tell us about that, those early days of church planting and kind of take us through um, the last uh, many years of, of ministry as mm-hmm. a church planter? Well, we, we knew we were going to be church planting for sure because we, again, we didn't have a reformed uh, denomination to, to work with and to tie into. Um, we wanted to plant in a university town, uh, in a mid-sized town, uh, small, big enough uh, for a church planting situation, but also small enough to be noticed uh, amongst the options of churches that are out there. Um, but also from the get-go, um, there was my thinking and planning about uh, church planting in, in a particular place, in this case Heidelberg, but there was all, always a larger picture um, it's one thing to um, to complain that the Reformation we once had is sort of lost. People only know about it as a, a fact of from from the history books, 
But it's another thing to go back to the history, to the Reformation, and find principles that we mm -hmm. can apply even today. I'm no Martin Luther, Martin Luther as we call him. Um, and at the end of the day, even the Reformation back then, I mean, it did depend to some extent on, on personalities, but, but not, not, not uh, primarily. It was certain principles that uh, made it work from a human perspective with the Lord's blessings, of course. And uh, we tried to think along those lines. What does it take for another, however small, uh, reformation to, to take hold of again? <clears throat> we did not want to just plant a church and be happy with that, plant a congregation, be, be fine with that. Um, we wanted it to be part of a larger setting. And so we <clears throat> thought, uh, what, what were the strategic um, measures and, and uh, branches uh, of, of the Reformation? And of course, if you know anything about the Reformation, you know that um, wherever it took hold, um, it immediately led to the question of the next generation of pastors. Yeah. Um, you had all these churches that were coming under the influence of the Reformation, all these cities and, and, and regions in Germany, Switzerland, France, and elsewhere. Uh, but where are the new pastors supposed to come from? So theological education training of pastors is a crucial piece of the puzzle in any Reformation movement. And... Again, if you know anything about the Reformation, you also know that, humanly speaking, it could have never taken taken off without the invention of the printing press yeah. and uh, books being, being published, especially, of course, the works of Martin Luther himself. So that's a third um, branch of a strategic way of thinking about the work of Reformation. So even while we started, when we started church planting with a handful, about 15 um, believers in the city of Heidelberg, we were already thinking about other church plans, about theological education, and also providing uh, books and other materials that uh, people could read to bolster this whole endeavor. And so uh, <clears throat> you've planted the church in Heidelberg uh, and you have uh, now helped, assisted to plant a church in Hanover. Uh, tell us about that. Well, the church in <clears throat> the church in Hanover um, it didn't exist uh, as a church. It wasn't a congregation yet, but it it existed even before my time. It, it had existed as a gathering of believers, sort of Bible right. study that. Um, grew out of the work of a small seminary in the city of Hanover. Okay. So there was a small seminary I heard about uh, eventually um, as we were starting uh, our work of church planting, a seminary that was um, building on the Reformed Confessions and trying to, uh, to teach um, and to train um, Reformed pastors. Mm. So we, at one point, we were approached by that group of believers in Hanover, and they had decided that they wanted to move towards becoming a confessional reformed church, and whether we could help them, whether they could be uh, sort of the second um, congregation in a 
newly founded um, denomination yes. or federation. And uh, the hope, of course, is to plant churches uh, all over Germany. That's the, the mm -hmm. hope and prayer. And, yes. And, uh, we, we know this is a hard work. It's an expensive work. Yes. Um, but uh, we know the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and uh, we, we trust him. And really, one thing we pray for um, are, are men who are called to church planting in Germany. Um, yes. Of course, those who already speak German uh, and are committed to the Reformed Confession are uh, not growing on trees, you know. Uh, but those who would perhaps have a calling uh, to work in Germany and to learn German and to uh, be a part of the work, uh, these, these are things we're praying about. Uh, we would love to see a, a church planted in every uh, major city uh, yeah. around Germany. And that's thinking big. Of course, we want to do it one at a time. And as the Lord provides uh, all the resources and the publishing arm, you, you brought up uh, the printing press, uh, 1450s, Johannes Gutenberg uh, in Mainz, Germany. It paved the way for the Reformation in so many respects. Um, and now you are involved in the publishing of uh, good books in German because in English we have a, a, a treasure trove of, of literature, mm. uh, but in German that is not, not the case in, as it relates to solid reformed Christian literature. Yes. And so you have been doing this already for years. You've even been involved in publishing uh, sort of popular magazines as well as uh, theological journals. Um, but tell our listeners a bit about that work and what you hope to see it do in the future. Yes. Um, again, out of conviction and necessity, we started publishing some resources. It was uh, one at a time, and even to this day, it hasn't grown into a full-blown publishing house, which we'd like to see in the future. Uh, we've been blessed with some folks who are actually trained in that area of printing and publishing books and editing and all that. Um, so we would we would love to go down that road. There's so much to do in terms of republishing old classics like Martin Luther and, and John Calvin and Reformed literature from the past, the Heidelberg theologians. Um, but uh, some of the things we've done, of course, one of the biggest projects and most needed uh, initially was to to come up with a new or yeah new in terms of the language a newly freshly edited version of our confessional standards mm -hmm. and to print that and that we've done that we did that in the beginning and um, uh, these two thousand copies of our um, confessional standards have long been. Uh, uh, out of print and in, in people's hands, so we're glad about that. People are using them, studying them, reading them. And we've done some other projects. Uh, I did a series of uh, more booklet size uh, introductions to Reformed doctrines and practices. And currently I'm working on a full-blown book as well. Yeah, and, and you have also um, helped to get into print uh, German translations of R.C. Sproul. Yes. Is that right? What yeah. work did you do by him? 
We did the the truth of the cross. The truth of the cross. Okay. What are, what are some other uh, more popular level reform works that you all have have done? Well, I was involved with it with a couple other publishers, and and yes. they have been doing quite a number of okay. uh, Ligonier books. Um, okay. When I first became reformed, there was almost nothing in yeah. the German language. Uh, that has changed. Um, very grateful for that. Um, a couple, three um, publishers that might be broader than just Reformed, but they've been picking up uh, solid literature and done translation of some good, good Reformed works. So that's been good to see. I think one of the the points you made uh, earlier about the nature of church planting and having a desire to see uh, different churches planted throughout the entire nation, I think of in the book of Acts how the Lord established the church at Antioch and it's from Antioch that missionaries were sent to different places throughout uh, yes. the rest of Europe in that case. And one of the things that's interesting in that is when you read Acts, it gives a description of the people from various different parts of the Mediterranean who were part of that particular church. And so I know Heidelberg is a similar sort of situation because it's a fairly international city mm-hmm. in that sense. So I presume your church is similar in that sense where your actual first uh, church itself, so to speak, has people from all over the not just uh, Germany itself, but perhaps different parts of Europe and other places. So could you comment yes. on how the Lord has brought together different types of people into your church? Yes, he has indeed. Um, it has it it probably has a lot to do with Heidelberg itself being an international city. <clears throat> but in, in God's providence, we are a fairly international congregation. Um, most of the people that uh, ended up in Heidelberg and visiting our church, coming to our worship services, were not reformed when they first came. They may have had some basic idea of what that means, but usually not more than that. Um, now we have um, a pretty international makeup of the congregation, and amongst those we have um, a surprisingly, uh, given our, this, our small congregation, surprisingly high number of candidates for the ministry, both in Germany but also abroad. We have a, a young man from Ecuador, Mm-hmm. Um, who, together with his wife, became uh, a member in our church and is uh, thinking about um, seminary studies and becoming a missionary potentially back in Ecuador, where he's from. We have a young Spanish guy who became a member of our church, is now getting ready to go to seminary and is looking at going back to Spain. But. Uh, we also have Germans uh, who are in training right now, both in Germany at our um, training facility. Uh, one of them just uh, last week started at Westminster Seminary in California. Another one is looking to go to the Seminary of the Canadian Reformed Churches this fall. So we're branching out and uh, hoping they'll be trained and the Germans in hopefully in most cases, coming back to Germany to be future pastors and church planters and other places in the German-speaking world. Sebastian, uh, when visiting uh, you in November uh, mm-hmm. and, and worshiping with your, your dear flock, uh, I was uh, really encouraged and 
quite blown away actually by the international character of of the congregation. Um, one minute I'm talking to uh, that young man from Africa. I can't remember what, what country he was from. Um, it's an African. Ghana. Ghana, yes, yeah. from Ghana. Mm. Uh, yes. Then I'm speaking to uh, a young lady from France. Mm -hmm. uh, then I'm speaking to this gentleman you were speaking of earlier from Ecuador. Mm -hmm. uh, then uh, there are South Korea, Africa. South Africa, Korea. Koreans. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm, I'm sure there are other, well, you named some others. Mm. It's just extraordinary and a, a sweet picture of, uh, of what we will know uh, in full when we are around the throne of our Savior and in glory. Yes. Uh, we, we have some of that here in our church as well. We're seeing more and more internationals here, and it's been a, a real blessing. Um, we actually have a, a Slovenian who's married to a Colombian from South America. I don't know if, we've, if the world's ever seen that, uh, that combination before. It is a wonderful couple who love the Lord and love the Reformed faith. So if you're interested in giving towards this work, if you're interested in learning more about the work, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at Christ Church Presbyterian. Uh, you'll see the, uh, the info on our, on our website, Christ Church uh, what is our website? <laughs> ChristChurchCharleston.org. Yes. ChristChurchCharleston.org. What do I know? I'm only the pastor. Um, and, uh, and, and reach out to us. We'd love to, to tell you more about the work. And we do ask you to pray for the work. Pray for Sebastian. Pray uh, for the work of church planting. Pray for the uh, seminary. Pray uh, for the publishing work and for the uh, raising of resources to help uh, support this wonderful work gospel work in um, in Heidelberg, Germany, and, and beyond. Sebastian, it's been great uh, to have you with us. Uh, Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. And uh, we hope you'll uh, join us again on Between the Times. <laughs>